It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Good evening. The opinions and statements voiced by our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this network. Enjoy the shows. You are listening to WBHM, digital broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live, live, live out of Birmingham, Alabama. This is Ghost Talk with 187PI. Sit back and prepare yourselves for an adventure into the paranormal world with host Shelly Robertson and 187PI Research Team. Ghost Talk is broadcasting live from Ohio's most haunted jail. Learn about their ongoing research at the jail and abroad, investigation techniques, and their personal encounters. Here is your host of Ghost Talk and 187PI founder, Shelly Robertson. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelly Robertson. Ghost Talk Radio broadcasts live out of Ohio's most haunted jail, the old Paulding County Jail, located in, of course, Paulding, Ohio. Tonight, I have a very fascinating show planned for you. I will be discussing our brains on the quantum level in relationship to the paranormal kinetic energy, and how it may possibly relate to the paranormal, along with some theories of my own. Now, of course, I would like to invite all my listening friends out there tonight to join us in our interactive chat room at wbhm-db.com, where you can join in on the conversation And ask me any questions you may have. And hopefully, I'll know the answers. (laughs) Or I'll have an answer of some sort. Okay, so as I get this show started tonight, I have to tell everyone. And you know, if you've been tuning in and been listening from episode to episode, I talk a lot about haunted places and haunted locations and serial killers, which is a favorite subject of mine. And some of the paranormal activity and experiences that coincide with those forementioned. I just want to let everyone know that there's much more to me than those things. My papers and writings are much like the diaries of a madman, or in my case, a mad woman. (laughs) My brain goes in all kinds of directions simultaneously at any given moment, and tonight that will be reflected in the show. I'm constantly working on a hundred different things at any one time, which just means, folks, I am never bored. So I just want to start off the show by saying that the paranormal community, of course, has grown by leaps and bounds in the last decade. With that being said, more people have an open mind for the unexplained phenomenon. I think that... Television shows have helped to expand the awareness of paranormal activity, research, and studies. However, it's not exactly quite as you see on TV. While I'm not saying that anything is faked, folks, there are some very um, reputable 
and great TV shows out there doing their investigations. What I am saying that there is many, many hours of research and hard work put into those shows that we don't even get to see on television. The television shows must condense everything down to either 30 minutes or to one hour and they have, may have been at a location for a week or longer to get some of the footage that we are shown on those shows. So, the general population gets to see all the fun and all the excitement in such a short amount of time, while we researchers know that um, you can't control the paranormal activity, and we know that you may have to put in many, many, many long, grueling hours in during an investigation to get that one Class A EVP, and even if you get a Class A. And with all that being said, it's fantastic that more and more people are opening up to the thoughts of ghosts and paranormal activity really existing, right? But on the same token, i got to bring this number past your friends. This is going to blow your minds. There are over 10,000, count them, 10 thousand paranormal teams in the United States alone. And I think that many of these have popped up along, you know, the past years due to some of the television shows. And that's, that's great too. That's great too. But what I'm going to say next, I'm not going to beat anyone up here. So please don't take offense. All right. But there is a difference between a ghost hunter and a paranormal investigator or a researcher, right? Many teams out there are just that, ghost hunters. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's thrilling and it can be very exciting, so why not? But many of these teams, they go from place to place in search of getting any type of evidence on any gadget that they've purchased. And they're calling it research without doing any history on the location, without documenting and making notes of all the variables taking place while capturing this evidence, without developing techniques that they can test at other locations. And that is why it's taking us longer to get to the answers that we're searching for. The reason is that we have many, many, many more ghost hunters then we have researchers. There's a lot of hobbyists, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? Nothing wrong with hobbyists. I just have a small problem with the ghost hunter classifying themselves as a researcher. Same is true if you plant a tree in your yard, and then you call yourself a horticulturist. Well, indeed, you're not a horticulturist. You just planted a tree, why the tree may be enjoyable and it may have been fun for you that makes you know horticulturist, right? Now, of course, you know, those statements, they may make your average ghost hunter who classifies themselves as a researcher angry and upset and all in and tizzy. And it's not meant to do that. Every field contains hobbyists of some sort, and that's fantastic. Hopefully, why I'm bringing this out, hopefully, some of the hobbyists will become researchers and help add some helpful information to the paranormal field. Share, you know, work on the same goal. <coughs> so, as a researcher, I, along with my team, we develop hypotheses and we work on those until we find that we can develop a theory. We'll work on this idea over and over and over again, looking for similarities, recording occurrences, making notes on all the atmospheric variables, making notations on what equipment is being used, and when certain conditions are present and certain activity occurs, we can take those instances and try to duplicate our findings over and over again. 
I've personally been to many haunted locations and conducted investigations. And what I find most interesting is that not every technique will work or can be applied to every location. For an example, here at the jail, during stormy conditions, I have found that paranormal activity in way of spirit communication is very quiet, meaning that it's very hard for the spirits to vocalize in way of EVP or disembodied voice. On the second token, I have found that the spirits have been able to thermogenically manifest. Maybe, you know, this means that we have been very successful during these stormy conditions at photographing the entities on a thermal camera. And what I think we're coming to find is that we know what the jail is constructed of. Limestone, steel, and iron, which is thought to hold energy as well. And knowing the shape of the building, so unlike other locations like some of the the um, big prisons, they're not so square. So does this trap in some of that extra static electricity during a storm and does this make it far too great when adding the building variables to allow the vocals to come through but it is great enough for the thermal manifestations this is something that is ongoing research work for us at the jail it's a slow process folks because we can only test all of these theories and circumstances and try to replicate these things and look farther into it during storms. So our window of opportunity is narrowed down. We have been very successful in our attempts to replicate our findings during the storm occurrences, and we have quite a lot of a lot of photos that we've gathered during the storms. <clears throat> Many of today's scientists, they don't believe that ghosts exist, and we know this. However, there are a few of the scientists who are working on some extraordinary discoveries, right? And next I'm going to talk about some quantum physics as the quantum sciences involving our brains. While there's a whole lot going on this field, and we could talk about it, you know, for the entire show, just this topic alone, maybe two or three shows, I'm going to just break it down and make it simple for everyone. We are going to talk about how your brain, specifically your brain waves, and possibly another theory on what ghosts are. And this is very, so very interesting. Um, a very controversial theory is that some quantum physicists have put forward a theory that human consciousness stems from microtubules in our brain cells. Microtubules, which can also survive outside our bodies even once the rest of our body has deceased and has decayed and is no longer. Essentially, that our conscious can haunt the earth long after we've passed on, right? Now tell me, that isn't interesting. Has the human soul then been found by science? A, a controversial quantum theory of consciousness called ORC-R, which stands for Orchestrated Objective Reduction, it had a review, and scientists supporting this idea are claiming the recent discovery of quantum vibrations and microtubules inside brain neurons corroborate this belief. 
The theory called orchestrated objective reduction, orc or, it was f first um, developed and put forward in the mid-1990s by an eminent mathematical physicist by the name of Sir Roger Penrose. And he was, um, the, was at the Mathematical Institute and Wandham College, University of Oxford. And along with him, a prominent anesthesiologist, Stuart, Stuart, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, Stuart Hammerhoff, MD, anesthesiology, psychology, and the Center for Conscious Studies at the Arizona University in Tuscany, or Tucson. Gosh, where's my thought process? They suggested, okay, these two suggested that quantum vibrational computations in the microtubules were orchestrated by sympathetic inputs and memory stored in microtubules and terminated by Penrose objective reduction, hence the name of this whole thing, orc or. Microtubules are major components of this cell structural skeleton. And let me tell you, these are just so small and it's crazy that you can even believe that something so minuscule can live outside of your body. Now, scientists in Japan and also now at MIT corroborates that the pairs theory and they suggest that EEG rhythms also derive from deeper level microtubule vibrations in the brain, right? In addition to this, work from a laboratory at the University of Pennsylvania is that they suggest that anesthesia, all right, which selectively erases consciousness while sparing non-conscious brain activities, acts via the microtubules in brain neurons as well. So, there's a lot going on in these tiny little tubules, microtubules. Now, considering this, the origin of consciousness reflects our place in the universe, right? The nature of our existence. So, did consciousness evolve from complex computations among brain neurons, as most scientists believe or assert? Or has consciousness in some sense been here all along as spiritual approaches maintain, right? So, did it develop or was it always here? And the thing about that, Hammerhoff and Penrose, they answered this question. They state that this thought actually opens a potential Pandora's box, but their theory accommodates both the views, suggesting consciousness derives from quantum vibrations in the microtubules, protein polymers inside the brain neurons, which both govern the neurons the neural and the sympathetic um, function, okay? And they connect brain processes, okay, to self-organizing processes in the final scale, which is proto-conscious quantum structure of reality, okay? I know that's a whole mouthful, but... After 20 years of skeptical criticism, all right, the evidence now clearly supports the orc or study. An important new fact of the theory is introduced also recently. Microtubule quantum vibrations in megahertz, okay, they appear to interfere and produce much slower EEG beat frequencies. 
Now, despite a century of clinical use, the underlying origin of EEG rhythm have remained a mystery. Clinical trials of brief brain stimulation aimed at microtubule responses with megahertz mechanical vibrations using transcranial ultrasound have shown reported improvements in mood. So maybe I have to put on a brain cap (laughs) when I'm feeling angry and get some vibrations going on there and it will make me feel much better. But I'm saying, so if all of this is true, maybe that's why I feel that spirit communications, they work best under certain frequencies. Now, obviously, more work needs to be done to get all at precise levels accurately at all precise times so we can replicate this over and over and maybe, just maybe, be able to have ongoing conversations all the time. And more than that, if our consciousness is certain vibrations within a microtubule in our brain cells, which of course means energy, vibrations equal energy, and energy doesn't go away, it just moves to something else. Could the energy from the microtubules in our brain cells, which is thought to be our consciousness, just transfer to other things like dust particles or atoms just like in the air? There's a lot more questions to answer here. And with that... We'll be back after this short break. You are listening to Ghost Talk Radio on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. You're listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live, live, live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, come on. I'm Southern, but... Um, nope. That'll do. Hello. I am Kat Hobson, host of Paranormal Experience here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. I enjoy having guests from all areas of the paranormal, from ghosts to ufology to cryptids and beyond. You'll find some of the best researchers in their fields bringing you some great information. Join me on Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p. Eastern here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. To the believer. The evidence is overwhelming. To the skeptic, there will never be enough. Hello, everyone. Join Kevin and Jennifer Malik, the host of Paraversal Universe, every Friday here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Also heard on WCET-FM and The Rift. Log on or tune in as they check out the mysteries found within the eight categories of the unknown and unexplained including ghosts and haunted places, aliens and UFOs, theology and mythology, cryptids and monsters, urban legends and folklore, conspiracies, metaphysics, and forbidden archaeology. Listen as Kevin and Jennifer interview the top minds in their respective fields as they share theories and information regarding these unsolved mysteries. For future show and archive information, one can find Paraversal Universe on Facebook, Twitter, and MeWe under various Paraversal Universe headings. So, for excellent talk radio about the unknown and unexplained, check out Paraversal Universe, where all paranormal perspectives apply. Brought to you by the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society, LTV, and produced by WBHMDB.com. Thank you for listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. The time is 23 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelley Robertson. And before the break, I was talking about quantum physics. And your brainwaves. Hmm. 
If you missed the first part of the show, no worries. You can catch the full show archive on Spreaker, Google Play, iTunes, and iHeartRadio at your leisure. And I know we're on a few others, too. So if you're members of those, just search for us. You'll probably find us. And I would like you to all invite me. (laughs) No, don't invite me. Well, I guess invite me. I would like to invite you to our interactive chat room at wbhm-db.com where you can join in on my conversation and ask me any crazy questions you might have and hopefully I'll have an answer. So, some interesting things. There's another theory that some people have come up with that makes some sense to me quite honestly. And... It has to do with kinetic energy. So, first of all, what is kinetic energy, you might ask? Well, kinetic energy is the energy that an object has because of its motion. This energy can be converted into other kinds, such as gravitational or electric potential energy, which is the energy that an object has because of its position in a gravitational or electrical field. Now, many things can generate or possess kinetic energy. Some examples are a baseball, a roller coaster, a car, right? So I do a lot of research at my jail, and we do get a lot of activity on a couple of staircases in the building, namely the third floor staircase, and I've often wondered why we get so much activity on the staircase, right? Well, I'm a nerd, and I'm a knowledge junkie, and I read and read and search and search for answers to things just like this. Along with my own research, physical research at the jail. So, we all know the law of thermodynamics, and it states that energy can neither be created or destroyed, it only transforms. Okay, right? That's the basic law of physics, but one that people must often dismiss, right? You don't think about it. So, through constantly coming through physics papers and reports that people have written and other bases of knowledge on this very topic, I've come to find out that there are some theories out there regarding kinetic energy in staircases, right? I'm not alone in wondering why this seems to happen. Like lots of haunted places, you find people catch apparitions on staircases or they're constantly hearing somebody walk up and down them. All kinds of different paranormal activity and phenomena happening on staircases, right? Well, through my reading and understanding how kinetic energy works, the notion of going upward and downward a flight of stairs actually creates energy. Walking up and down them creates energy. Now, you combine this with chemical energy, work, your body, right? And gravitational energy that's working when you're coming up and going down, right? The gravitational pull of energy. Does that actually produce enough energy to cause the manifestations or the paranormal activity on the staircase? It's a very good theory to ponder, right? While this type of energy, it could dissipate over time or rather move to something else, it is plausible with enough traffic on the staircase to keep just enough energy within the staircase to allow for these paranormal activities to occur, right? Now, we take into consideration, let's do that, what the staircases are made of, all right, and what the shapes of the staircases are. Spiral, if they're metal, if they're made of wood, because energy can be stored a little longer depending upon the material of the staircase and the shape of the staircase. And while this hasn't exactly been proven, we are studying the possibility at the jail, and this activity does seem to be pretty abundant on the third floor staircase, 
which obviously is noticed after we've traveled up and down the staircase. Like after we've went up, then we see the shadow ghosts. We capture thermogenic photographs once we've been up and down them. So is this coincidental or is it actually causing enough energy for this to happen? So obviously that's something else that we are hard at work <laughs> trying to figure out some more of this at the jail, right? Many people think that in, in, in the paranormal field, many people think that ghosts are the spirits of deceased human beings, right? And they think that they are still here due to maybe unfinished business, a tragic death, a sudden death, or maybe even just maybe they don't realize they're even dead, right? Well, I have my own thoughts on why folks are still here after they've died. I think <coughs> that us being filled with energy while living, it transforms to something else when we die or it hangs around somewhere, right? I think that possibly, you know, it, it, this has become apparent for me. The energy does retain a memory. It is intelligent and maybe, just maybe, the energy hangs around where they most love to be. Maybe the energy just isn't floating in outer space or out in the universe because they refuse to let go of where they're used to being. While, yes, I do agree that some folks may have met a tragic demise and maybe... They have had unfinished business when they passed on that they didn't get to take care of while they were living. That might be true. But after developing such a relationships with the spirits here at the jail, I don't quite believe that's the reason they stay. The spirits I've developed a relationship with at the jail, they're happy they don't express any torment or turmoil. And they haven't shown a dire need to finish something that they weren't able to finish while they were alive. These four years doing my work at the jail, the spirits have got to know me and many of my team members and some other people who are very close to me. These spirits, they express ideas offer bits of information, and believe it or not, they are intelligent about what's going on in the world around them, which is actually fascinating. They have likes and dislikes, just as we do in the living world, right? However, and there's always a however, <coughs> you know, the lines of communication, they're not perfect. And there's gaps, there's holes, there's pieces missing. And I'm working to fill in those gaps. And I'm working to fill in those holes and pave the road to have smoother, easier communications. And to be honest, some of them do not even know why they are still here. Right? And beyond that, I have other ideas as to why they still may be here. We are all working towards that one common goal to find out. Yes, we're all trying to crack the code, you know, to figure out if there's life after death here on this planet. I like to think that when my body dies, that's not simply the end. If it is the end, then who are these entities? Are they interdimensional beings just like we are? Are they in this parallel universe doing the same things we are? Trying to meet, to communicate with some supposedly paranormal phenomena? You know, trying to find out what some unexplained occurrences are? That's a possibility, folks. And I do believe sometimes doing portal sessions... I'm not always talking to ghosts. 
there's a difference. There have been ongoing, fairly in-depth conversations on specific topics, which lead me to believe that it's more than just spirit communications. So you might be asking, what exactly are interdimensional beings, right? Well, an interdimensional being or intelligence, and sometimes it's also called intradimensional and other dimensional, it's a type of theoretical or real entity in a dimension beyond our own. So, beyond our own, right? What exactly is a parallel dimension or a universe? Well, parallel universes, also known as meta-universes or multi-universes, they are a group of theoretical twin universes that coexist at the same time as our own. They are said to be simple variations of our reality, all running at the same time in different realities. These universes are not uniquely confined to the science fiction realm anymore, folks. Philosophy, physics, and even theology have theories about why multiverses exist and how they work. Parallel universes have often been used in science fiction and TV programs as an explanation for strange phenomena, right? Well, quantum mechanics, the science that looks for explanations to phenomena that cannot be explained by the regular law of physics and science, has been studying parallel universes since 1956. An American physicist, Hugh Heverett, first formulated the idea of the existence to explain the theory that every possible outcome of every choice we have actually does happen. While in this universe, you may choose path A, and an alternate, you will choose path B in a parallel universe, right? So... Where and how para, you know, parallel universes exist is actually the most heated source of debate, right? Some say meta-universe coexists close to us, so close, in fact, that ghosts may be nothing more than people from alternate universes somehow slipping in into our reality. So they're just kind of bleeding in and we think they're a ghost. Others think that the universes are infinitely far away beyond the farthest galaxies. And a third theory is that parallel universes exist in different dimensions, either a lower or higher than the four-dimensional world we live in, right? So while the idea of parallel universes may seem incredible... And, and it does. It seems incredible. <coughs> more and more scientists are buying into the idea of a multitude of universes coexisting barely millimeters away from us. A disturbing new theory currently being researched in several high-profile universities is that, and you'll be stunned, is that the Big Bang may not have been the actual beginning of the universe, folks. In fact, some scientists are now claiming that the big explosion we see as the origin, the you know, the origin start of our our world and life could actually be the result of two universes colliding, thus generating a new one. Now, this revolutionary theory has been taken seriously by quantum mechanics scientists and is now the source of a heated debate across the world. Some people even believe that, for an example, for an example, the shadow ghosts that we see are other people from other dimensions that are, by some chance and some circumstance, 
you know, our dimensions are, what do you want to say, like overlapping and we can see them as shadow ghosts. So if this would be true on the same token, do they see us as a shadow ghost as we see them? That's what I would like to know. That's a very interesting thing to ponder. And through this show tonight, you see just how my mind wanders from topic to topic to topic, and it probably drives some people crazy. So let's move on to parapsychology, shall we? <laughs> um, first of all, um, what exactly is parapsychology? Some of you know, I'm sure. And it's the study of alleged psychic phenomenon, which could be ESP, uh, telepathy, precognition, clairvoyance, psychokinesis, telekinesis, um, you know, and other paranormal claims, for example, related to, um, you know, near-death experiences, synchronicity, reincarnation, which is actually a very interesting thing, reincarnation, and apparitional experiences, right? And... It is considered to be pseudoscience by a vast majority of mainstream scientists, of course, um, in part because in addition to the lack of replicable evidence, parapsychological claims simply cannot be true unless, all right, the rest of science isn't. So that's, that's why they, you know, mainstream scientists don't believe in it because if they do then the rest of science can't be correct. <laughs> so um, that's so very interesting, right? So let's take a look at um, ESP, for example. This is one form, and it's paranormal. Um, and ESP, extrasensory perception, is also called our um, sixth sense. <laughs> sixth sense yeah it includes um, you know claimed reception of information not gained through recognized physical senses but sensed with the mind the term was adopted by Duke University psychologist J.B. Ryan to denote psychic abilities right so it's just like the information just comes to you, right? Second sight is a form of extrasensory perception, um, which it's the power to perceive things that are not, you know, present to your five other senses, whereby a person perceives information in the form of a vision about future events before they happen, right? Or they perceive information about things or events at remote locations. And that's called remote viewing. And what that, folks, we'll be back after this short break. You are listening to Ghost Talk Radio on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, come on. I'm Southern, but... Um, nope. That'll do. Hello, I am Kat Hobson, host of Paranormal Experience here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama. I enjoy having guests from all areas of the paranormal, from ghosts to ufology to cryptids and beyond. You'll find some of the best researchers in their fields bringing you some great information. Join me on Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p. Eastern here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Since 1948, Fake Magazine has brought you reports of the strange and unknown, all of them true. 
Fate Radio is carrying on that tradition, bringing you the unusual, macabre, strange, and bizarre. Join host Cat Hops Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experienced Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Welcome back to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelley Robertson. If you missed the first part of the faux show, show folks gosh i am being so dyslexic tonight no worries you can catch the full show archive on spreaker google play itunes and iHeartRadio at your leisure i still am looking to invite you all here to our interactive chat room you can join in on the fun conversation and ask me any questions you might have and we do have the scallon chat and her name is brenda holmes and She told me that what happened to her last night was she wakes up and looks over and there was a full body apparition laying in bed next to her. Can you believe that? It was a lady. And when she said something to this lady, she vanished. And I bet, you know, some of you out there have other instances, other stories about that. And, and, you know, I'm thinking either this person knows Brenda or maybe she was a previous resident of the house and just likes hanging around. I don't know if Brenda has any updates. I'm sure she's going to let us know. It's so much fun when people tell me stories about things that happen to them when they're at home, when they're at a friend's house, when they're just somewhere. And paranormal experiences, they can happen anywhere. And I do believe that. So, and what we were talking about beyond that, oh, and Brenda said she wasn't even asleep yet. And that's what kind of really freaked her out just a bit because she was wide awake. That is actually pretty crazy. You know, so obviously there's somebody there. Now, Before this, um, I was talking about parapsychology and and such. And we touched on ESP and extra uh, and uh, second sight and, you know, what I have to say about that. I have something more to say about that. And that is that... Our own government, just think about this for a moment. Our own government was on the ESP bandwagon beginning in the early 1950s, okay? The CIA started extensive research into behavioral engineering, and their findings from these experiments led to the formation of the Stargate Project. And the Stargate Project is a whole other big topic, that we could talk about. I think I did touch on it in a, a previous show like a, a year ago or something. But um, if you want to know more about that, just look up Stargate Project. And it handled ESP research for the U.S. federal government. Now, the Stargate Project, it was terminated in 1995 uh, with the conclusion that it was never useful in an intelligence operation. (coughs) So, no secret spy stuff was coming of it, obviously. Um, Or maybe it just wasn't reliable enough for them, but they studied it for a good long, long time. So, obviously, it does work. Now, if we look at precognition... And, and that comes from 
a Latin word meaning before, and cognito, acquiring knowledge. It's, you know, also called future vision, future sight, and it's a claimed psychic ability, it, you know, to see events in the future, foreknowledge of an event, especially of the paranormal kind. And with other paranormal phenomena, there is no accepted scientific evidence that precognition is a real effect. And it is widely considered to be a pseudoscience as well. Precognition also appears to violate the principle of casualty that an effect cannot occur before its cause, okay? Cause and effect. But I'm here to tell you, (laughs) I'm not quite believing that because I've had some precognition stuff happen and I don't know. I think it, it, it does. I think it's real. It's, you know, precognition has been widely believed throughout history, right? Despite the lack of scientific evidence. And a lot of this stuff, we don't have scientific evidence. Many people still believe it to be real, and I am one. I, I will admit it. It's still widely reported and remains a topic of research and discussion within the parapsychology community. So, you know... The parapsychology is the study of all of these unexplainable things that our our mainstream scientist says isn't real. But I will tell you on a on a personal note and a personal level, I have seen some of these things in actions. I've experienced some of these things in action, and. I just can't agree with the mainstream scientists on us. There's just so much more to know. Just like these microtubules in the neurons in our brain cells, okay? So they're finding out about that. There's probably more they don't know that our brain is capable of, right? That is actually capable of these things. Just some people... They happen to switch on and, and, and can utilize it. I don't know. Um, if any of you have had any ESP experiences or precognitive experiences, shoot me an email. Tell me about it. Let me know about it. What were the circumstances? Um, I'd love to hear about it and maybe talk some more about them on the air another time. Um, what I do want to talk about now is some fantastic things going on for us at the jail. Um, we are working hard on our new schedule since getting the furnace put in. It's not completely finished. You know, our schedule is it. The furnace is, and it works fabulous. You know, I was so, it took a month for him to install it, but you know what? It, it's it's fantastic. I, I just can't tell you how great it is to have heat in the building this time of year now. So, and that changes our plans and our game over the winter months. So we're working on a schedule to have some events and to allow some people to um, pick up some, winter private paranormal investigations those will be posted shortly so just watch our facebook page just you can type us in the search feature 187 pi will pop right up or go to our website as soon as i get everything up you know scheduled we'll put the schedule up i'd look into say maybe over the next couple of weeks we'll have all kinds of dates available for privates and we'll have some of our investigations that you can attend posted as well because it's a game changer with the furnace. We can do some winter work because you know what? Ghosts are there in the winter as well as in the summer. They do not migrate to Florida during the winter. I'm sure of it. So, and I asked them, this is funny. This is funny because I ran the portal while, um, 
the furnace was being installed and I asked them if they could feel heat or cold. Well, I had some mixed response. And that's something Brenda in chat just asked, how the spirits respond to the heat. Well, one of them stated that they couldn't feel heat and cold, while another one said that they could. So, you know, it just goes back on a instance during an investigation Whereas we had a team member who passed away and he's made visits to the jail and he was present during this investigation and we asked him if he could see us and he couldn't see us, but he could see the table in the room. Is that crazy? So, I just thought that was bizarre. So, do, I I know some of them see us because they tell me hair colors and how many of us there are. And so, is there like a transitional phase? So, I've been trying to kind of work with him a little bit because that is, is very, very helpful on some of the research and learning. Like, Are there transitional phases? Are, you know, will there be a certain period of time that he will be able to see us? You know, will he ever have enough energy to manifest his physical being? Well, you know, I would hope so. I would hope he can really help with some of this research. I mean, he tries, so we'll see. We'll see how far we get. I mean, I hate that he's not with us and he's with us in this capacity, but we're making the best of it. And so soon we'll have all the schedule up for events at the jail and dates for private investigations. And if you come for a private, just say hi to Bob. And, you know, he's, he's there here and there now and then and again um, at the jail as well. Um, We are getting ready to ramp up the escape games over the next couple of weeks. We'll be posting some session times and dates for jailbreak code nine. And I've been getting some inquiries on that because we couldn't run them the month of October. And um, while the furnace was being installed and November, we're gathering our bearings and, and getting ready to ramp all that up. So keep a lookout. Oh, and Brenda says, hi, Bob. So um, keep a lookout for the escape games. They are so much fun. And they help, re- you know, with the restoration efforts at the jail. They help fund that. And we have already put on the schedule Um. Ohio State Reformatory Convention in May 2020. So if, you know, got to look up Ohio State Reformatory Paracon, get your tickets early, and hopefully we'll see you there. We are also on schedule to the West Virginia Paracon. Uh, Paracon at the uh, West Virginia at, at the uh, penitentiary Moundsville. So, you know, and that is in June, the end of June. So look that one up. I, I see it's going to be a fantastic event. And we are slowly but surely getting our schedule all together. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about what's going on at WBHM Digital Broadcasting. And you know what? That airs out of Birmingham, Alabama. And they have warmer weather than I do. And I would much rather be there than here. <laughs> Anywhere warm. I, you know, I'm not a winter fan. I'm not a, not a snowbird. So we have, um, on Sunday nights, we have Fate Magazine Radio and... That is on from 8 to 10 
Eastern. And the host is Kat Hobson. And then on Monday nights, we have the Paranormal Pride Show. And that airs from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And that's hosted by Denise Pridemore. And then on Wednesday nights, we have Paranormal Experience. On again, same time, same channel, (laughs) 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern. And that's hosted by Kat Hobson. And I'll tell you what, they get some great show topics and some amazing guests on there. And so, you know, Sunday nights, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and Friday nights, you tune in at 8 p.m. This is your location. This is your destination. (laughs) I want to thank everyone who has taken time out of their busy schedules to listen to my live broadcast tonight. And I hope everybody has a fantastic evening and a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Good night, everyone. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Birmingham, Alabama. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.